This meeting will now come to order. Madam Clerk, I understand you need to make an announcement regarding uh, language access. That um, is correct. We have Spanish interpretation services available in the council chamber. Please see Carla Almendarez Ramos to receive the appropriate equipment in the back of the room. Spanish interpretation services are also being made available through Microsoft Teams for virtual attendees in need of such services. Thank you. And now Carla will make the same announcements in Spanish. Thank you. Gracias, buenas tardes. Tenemos servicios de interpretación disponibles en la cámara. Eh, si necesita interpretación, por favor, búsquenos en la parte de atrás. Y también los servicios de interpretación están siendo disponibles a través de la reunión virtual en Microsoft Teams. Gracias. Madam Clerk, do you wish to do the roll call? Well, actually, we need to read uh, Chamber Emergency Evacuation Plan. Yes, Mr. President. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwell outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in front of the Department of Social Services building at 900 East Marshall Street. Citizens and employees should assist visually and hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. And citizen speaker guidelines, citizens wishing to speak during public hearings generally have three minutes to speak. Persons appearing before council are not allowed to campaign for public office, promote private business ventures, use language of a personal nature which insults or demeans any person, including comments directed at public officials or staff members that are not related to their official duties, or address or question staff members directly. All questions are to be directed to the president of council, and failure to adhere to the guidelines may result in speakers forfeiting any remaining time and further disciplinary action as necessary, which could include barring from attendance at future meetings of city council for a period of six months. And Mr. President, all members of council are in attendance this afternoon, with the exception of Councillor Robertson. We do have a quorum. Any do. individual standing in the rear of the chamber are asked to be seated where seats are available. Thank you. And to my colleagues on council, uh, Ms. Robertson, I was just informed, uh, had to take care of a family emergency. Uh, and so we just want to keep her and her family in our thoughts and prayers. Um, for our special council meeting on this day, uh, we will now have the presentation of the proposed fiscal year 2024 budget uh, by Mayor LeVar M. Stoney. And as he comes, uh, we just want to welcome him to the uh, realm and ranks of the married and just wish him uh, and his wonderful new bride uh, congratulations. And I believe we can give him a round of applause for that. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. President Jones, Vice President Nye, honorable members of the Richmond City Council, dedicated fellow city employees, and residents of the great city of Richmond, good afternoon. Before I begin, I'd like to take a point of personal privilege and acknowledge the incredible hard work and dedication of our budget and finance teams led by Budget Director Jason May and Financial Director Sheila White, who have worked tirelessly year-round to ensure our finances are in order. Under the leadership of Sabrina Joy Hogg, the Deputy Chief Administrative Officer of Finance and Administration, and our Chief Administrative Officer Lincoln Saunders, this team, and with your input, has produced the structurally balanced and fiscally responsible $3 billion budget with $984.9 million of it in the general fund that I'm proud to present to you today for the coming fiscal year 2024. My friends, this is my seventh budget address. Yes, my seventh budget address. And when I think about the progress of our city, and about how far we've come in the last six plus years, I'm filled with pride and gratitude. We listened to our residents and we've rebuilt our city infrastructure, paving roads and building schools and parks and firehouses. We listened to our residents and we've restructured our government to be more effective and efficient and gotten our fiscal house in order. We listened to our residents and we've reinvigorated economic opportunities through intentional and equitable economic development. 
We listened to our residents and we've reimagined and revitalized public safety, making critical investments in accountability, technology, salary increases for first responders. And more importantly, we've reinvested in our children and families through record investments in public education, affordable housing, neighborhoods and community support programs, and provide access to new opportunities for all Richmonders. And as I said just a few weeks, short weeks ago, our city is better than it's ever been. And that's because we put in the hard work together. The administration, city council, city employees, community partners, and our residents. You have made Richmond a great city, a more resilient city. We are stronger because of you. We are better because of you. And I want to thank you all for this at this time. Let's give them a round of applause if we could. My friends, the budget proposal I present to you today is built on our city's resiliency in the midst of uncertainty. More importantly, it is built on our unwavering commitment to do the work necessary to improve the quality of life for all who call Richmond home. This budget also acknowledges and addresses some of our current challenges brought on by inflation and higher interest rates, which impact many priority areas from housing, employee salaries, and construction costs of city facilities and schools. However, the city of Richmond will continue to meet and exceed the expectations of our residents as we meet the challenges of our future. The operating and $1.6 billion five-year capital improvement plan budgets allow us to continue to make critical investments in our shared priorities. High-quality public education and wraparound support services for our children and families. Access to affordable housing and support for our unhoused population. Investments in our dedicated to our city, our dedicated city employees, including our public safety and first responders who work every day to serve our community. Maintaining quality streets, facilities, parks, and city services, and the intentional memorialization of our city's full and true history. Now, our budget and finance departments, along with CAO Saunders and his team, we will be working through the details with you in the coming weeks to come. So today, let me provide for you a brief overview of the upcoming fiscal year plan. I've said often that housing is foundational. It is the key to reducing intergenerational poverty and increasing economic mobility. We know all too well that the economic, the, the pandemic and the economy have made it more difficult to find affordable housing around our nation and right here in the great city of Richmond. But we are working hard to address the challenge. Since I took office in 2017, working together, we have dramatically increased the amount of funding available for affordable housing by over 1,200%. Our most recent investments included $20 million of ARPA dollars towards the ongoing need. Today, we are taking another critical step towards providing additional affordable housing opportunities. Richmond, just like other cities across the country, is experiencing a housing crisis. The pandemic and related support programs, which are now ending, coupled with inflation and a lack of supply, have created this crisis. We are seeing higher rents, more eviction notices, and fewer home ownership opportunities, especially for our low-income residents. To address this crisis, we must look at the full spectrum of policy reforms, funding options, and housing choices to help our residents thrive. We must find a better way to address our housing crisis as quickly as possible. That is why the proposed capital improvement plan includes $50 million for affordable housing projects over the course of the next five years. I'm designating $10 million each year over the next five years that we will use to address our housing needs, from affordable rental units to achieving our goal to create 2,000 new homeowners from low-income households. 
I also challenge our local corporate, nonprofit, and philanthropic partners to help us address our housing crisis as well, and I look forward to having those future conversations. We are also including an additional $500,000 for our alternative homes project, which will allow us to partner with a nonprofit to create a program for alternative home ownership opportunities, such as manufactured homes, and I want to thank Councilwoman Trammell for being a champion of this effort. Additionally, using $1.4 million in ARPA funds, we are establishing a first-time home buyers program for our employees who want to live within the city's limits. But we aren't stopping there. Recently, I had an opportunity to join Marty Wegbright from Legal Aid. I sat in on some eviction court proceedings into the Richmond General District Court to get a better insight into the challenges facing tenants and property owners during these ongoing difficult economic times. Let me just say, this is a complicated and multi-layered issue. An existing state law favors landlords and does not help tenants as much as it should. The expiration of certain federal subsidies and protections have made it tough situation for many of those facing these challenges. But there are some things we can do. So we are also increasing the allocation to the city's eviction diversion program. And since its inception in late 2019, the program has helped more than 1,500 families avoid eviction. Last year, we increased the EDP funding by nearly 50%. This year, we are adding to that number to bring the total amount up to $800,000 for the, the, this effort in fiscal year 2024. This is the funding on top of the $2 million allocated to the Family Crisis Fund to help families with their outstanding bills or other financial challenges. Additionally, our Homeless Services Liaison, Diane Woolmore, does an amazing job, a fantastic job, serving our homeless population. But we know she cannot do this work alone. She is a superwoman, but she cannot do this alone. That's why we've included funding in the budget for another homeless services liaison as well. And we're, we are low, allocating $1.75 million towards supporting a year-round emergency shelter. This is in addition to the over $4.5 million we've recently invested into serving those who are experiencing houselessness. Our goal is to create resilience in the Richmond housing market by providing an abundance of opportunities and choices for our residents from renting an apartment to owning your first home to rehabbing an existing family home to finding an emergency shelter in the time of greatest need Richmonders will have the support to choose the housing option that is best for them. In addition to hearing our community's need for more housing opportunities, we also know that we need to strategically invest in our children and families, in their education, in their safety, and in their neighborhoods. And as you know, I'm very proud of our work together to prioritize and invest in our schools and students. And my friends, our commitment to our kids continues with this budget proposal. It's my philosophy that as the city's revenues grow, we should also equally increase our investment in Richmond Public Schools. In fiscal year 2024, we are projecting that our recurring revenues will grow by roughly 10.6%. So that's why I am proposing a $21.1 million increase to RPS's operating budget, which is equal to a 10.6% increase over their, over their budget from last year. Thank you, Jason Cameras. <laughs> the fiscal year 24 contribution, local contribution to RPS, is $221.5 million, is 70 million dollars more than fiscal year 2017's allocation and represents a 46.1% increase in RPS support during my tenure as your mayor. 
To put it another way, the local contribution has increased almost 50% just in seven years. This year's investment will help cover... I thought I had to say it again. This year's investment will help cover the teacher pay raises that were negotiated by the Richmond Education Association and RPS during their collective bargaining discussions. And it is my hope that the RPS school board will fulfill that agreement with this sizable investment. We love our teachers here in Richmond, which is why I am proud to share that the average salary for RPS teachers currently stands at $58,725, and average starting salary currently stands at $48,745, is the highest in the Richmond region. And we will, we will continue on that trajectory with this year's investment. With this significant increase in funding to RPS, I would be remiss if I did not take this opportunity to stand up for the parents who have a child struggling with reading or math and encourage the school board to expand upon its recently announced 20 additional school day pilot and commence year-round schooling to address learning loss. As I have said before, education is the great equalizer. However, the learning loss for our kids, both academic and social-emotional, is one of the most concerning impacts of the pandemic. A recent report on CNN cited a study that suggests our children lost about one-third of a school year worth of learning during the pandemic, with learning deficits even more pronounced for our students living with the challenges of poverty. This is why I encourage, I'm encouraging the RPS school board to go even further because learning loss has the potential to be the most inequitable and devastating consequence of the pandemic, if not addressed expeditiously. We should leave no opportunity on the table to help our kids succeed. So, to be perfectly clear, I'm asking our school board to be laser-focused on our kids and closing the learning gap, and I expect to see results from these efforts ASAP. We also know that in addition to robust academic plans, we also know that our kids need 21st century buildings to learn in. That is why this year's budget includes $2.5 million in school capital maintenance so RPS can make critical enhancements to our existing schools. Additionally, to date, working together, we have built three new schools in black and Latino neighborhoods. And in fiscal year 2024, we have, 20, we have 200 million in our CIP budget set aside for school construction, money the school board may use to prioritize the school construction projects it chooses. But I've decided to take this one step further. I know from conversations with families, conversations with Councilwoman Jordan, Councilwoman Lynch, that there is a lot of a concern over the future of Fox Elementary School and many unknowns regarding where schools would find the money to fill in the gaps between insurance and its other capital needs to rebuild from this devastating event in 2022. My fellow Richmonders, we know the best schools are not simply buildings. They are the heart of our communities. That's what the building at 2300 Hanover Avenue was. And tonight, well, this afternoon, I pledge to you that that's what William Fox Elementary School will be again. So I'm pleased to announce that the CIP budget proposal includes an additional $15 million in fiscal year 2024 dedicated to help rebuild Fox and restore this value asset to our community. Now to be clear, this does not deduct from other projects but was created by additional bond capacity that emerged in the final days of our budget process. Using those, these dollars dedicated to, for school construction, it is my hope that the Richmond School Board will act swiftly to actually start the construction of George with High School and begin the process for construction of a new Fox Elementary School. 
as soon as humanly possible. It is time to see results because if my administration had been allowed to move forward with the construction of George Wythe, our kids would be entering a new school next year. These delays have cost us limited resources and have unfortunately cost our kids the most. Now more than ever, our children and their working parents need support and enhanced experiences. I'm proud of the fact that every middle and elementary school student has access to quality after-school programs. But we know we can always provide more opportunities, especially since we have a growing population. That is why we're going to allocate an additional $200,000 to the Office of Children and Families and $1 million to Parks and Recreation and Community Facilities to help close the accessibility gap for out-of-school time that exists in some of our neighborhoods. With additional funding, we will fully activate three community centers in high-need areas, including Southside, Powhatan, and Randolph. We are also investing $800,000 into our libraries to expand and restore service levels at Broad Rock, Maine, Ginter, and West End libraries to ensure our kids and families can access these important community resources. And with this investment, we will now have more Sunday library hours than prior to the pandemic. These investments are about activating our community, communities and creating strong foundations that we know our residents rely on. We're also continuing to invest in our children's fund by allocating $250,000 this year, which will continue to support after-school programs, early childhood education needs, and also the youth employment opportunities as well. Additionally, we will continue to support the Positive Youth Development Fund by allocating an additional $1 million to Next Up RVA. We know our kids benefited from this program, which is a critical piece of our gun violence prevention strategy. For example, during the summer of 2022, 426 Richmond teens participated in the programs and 985 residents participated in the summer community building events funded by the microgrants. Of the participating teens, 99% said they found an adult they listened to and respected and 95% said the program helped them get along better with friends. These are the types of relationships that can change a kid's life. And it's crucial that we continue to make these life-changing positive connections occur. We've also budgeted $244,000 to support the We Matter RVA youth gun violence prevention programs and are increasing the budget for our successful trauma healing response network partnership with the Richmond City Health District to over a half million dollars. Finally, as I mentioned a few weeks back, we're committing $1.7 million in fiscal year 2022 surplus funds to support our Pathways program designed to fund community college access for RPS high school graduates. It's simple, folks. As long as I'm your mayor, we will continue to put our children first. We also want to ensure that our families and kids live in a city that is conscious and proactive regarding its impact on our changing climate. That's why I launched the RVA Green 2050 program in 2017 and why I'm grateful to council for approving the equity-centered plan last month. One of the goals of this plan is to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions by 45% by 2030. Today, I'm pleased to announce that $440,000 will be allocated in fiscal year 24 to ensure 50% of the city's electricity usage will be from off-site renewable energy. While this is just one way we can reduce our greenhouse gas emissions as a city, I'm proud that we are making good on this commitment that we made in 2020. We know that as we build our sustainability muscle, our city becomes more resilient, increasing our ability to handle adversity, withstand surprises, and continually adapt as disruptions and crises 
like a global pandemic arise. We're also committed to improving our neighborhoods for all Richmonders through our strategic capital investments that reflect our ongoing commitment to community needs and priorities. Here are just a few of those highlights. Since taking office, we have spent more than $91 million on complete streets projects to improve the quality and safety of our roads. This year, our proposed budget includes $21 million in transportation infrastructure funding for our complete streets program. Under the leadership of DPW Director Bobby Vincent and Irona Clark Moore in the Office of Equitable Transit and Mobility, these dollars will allow us to continue to make significant investments in paving, in bridge maintenance, in new bike lanes, sidewalk maintenance, and new construction. Additionally, we know that many residents rely on public transportation to get to their jobs, to childcare, and to their homes. And that is why we are increasing our proposed contribution to the GRTC this year by an additional $240,000 to a total of $8.9 million, ensuring again, as I promised last year, there will be free transit in the city of Richmond. Overall, these investments continue our efforts to enhance the connectivity of our great city. Our CIP plan also includes $2 million in funding for the development of the Heritage Campus in Chaco Bottom. With this funding, we will focus on a comprehensive archaeological study in Chaco and extensive community engagement on the design of the Heritage Campus. To be clear, this is in addition to the $11 million grant we recently received from the Mellon Foundation to create an interpretive center at the Main Street Station. Over the last few years, we've made historic strides in commemorating and reckoning with our city's history and setting Richmond on a righteous path to being a more inclusive, compassionate, equitable, and welcoming place for all Richmonders to live, work, play, raise a family, and do business. But part of knowing where we want to go requires us to be mindful of where we've been. And that's why I'm setting aside $200,000 to revamp and revive the History and Culture Commission. With this funding, it is my hope that we will be able to provide continuity to our collective memory and a review of the many historic places and spaces in the city. And I'd like to see that, see that start with the establishment of a formal city marker program in which, places, in which places of historical significance will be identified and contextualized. Additionally, I am proposing that the History and Culture Commission prepare a report listing a full inventory of street, bridge, or public space names associated with the Confederacy and outline a process to rename such locations. I will introduce an ordinance to reestablish the commission later this month. Honorable members of council, as you know, we live in a city that is rich with natural resources, namely our robust park system. We know that access to green space and recreation can be a game changer for our residents. And during the pandemic, our parks became a sanctuary for many of them. And as you may recall, in late 2020, I announced the dedication of five new parks in Southside within communities that lacked a 10-minute walk to a park. And since then, our parks team has been hard at work in clearing trails and engaging the community on what they want to see in those spaces. But I also want you to know that we heard you when you said that your communities want to see their existing parks and community centers improved. That is why our CIP includes $7 million for park improvement projects. This funding will not, allow, will not only allow for the activation of the new parks in Southside, but for improvements at existing parks and community centers, such as Humphrey Calder, Wickham, Westover Hills, and Fonticello, to just to name a few. Oh, people love parks, right? That must have been Chris Frelke, I guess, who did that clapping. I don't know. Lastly, we are also including $6 billion 
for the completion of Southside Community Center, which will become a cornerstone asset to all generations for South Richmond residents. The CIP also provides for necessary public safety-related infrastructure improvements, such as $15 million to replace Fire Station 21 and $10 million in upgrades to, uh, to the Richmond Police Department's first precinct uh, offices. Yeah. We have allocated $10 million to continue to replace our aging city fleet and $14.5 million toward deferred capital maintenance needs. I know this may seem like a lot, but due to economic downturns and disinvestments dating back to the early 2000s, Richmond has more than $281 million in deferred capital maintenance. $281 million in deferred capital maintenance. Friends, we cannot ignore this need, which is why we are prioritizing this in the budget. Finally, as I've stated before, none of the great advances we have made in building a more equitable, resilient city, improving the quality of life for all of our residents and meeting the challenges we are continually faced with as leaders would be possible without our dedicated city employees who make it all happen. This is why I'm pleased to announce that we are proposing a historic 8% salary increase for all non-sworn employees. Further, further, this budget proposal also increases the wages of our hourly paid employees. If approved, no one directly employed by the city of Richmond will make less than $18 an hour. And by offering, by offering an $18 an hour minimum wage, the city of Richmond is one of the highest among cities in the Commonwealth, which is $6 more than the Commonwealth of Virginia, the state's minimum wage, and more than double the federal minimum wage. And I'm not finished just yet. In this day and age, the few public service employees, uh, Few public service jobs are harder than being a police officer and a firefighter. And in recent years have made recruitment and retention of qualified and quality first responders a national challenge. Richmond is no exception. That's why in last year's budget, we spent more than $17 million to dramatically increase wages for police and firefighters to make us more competitive. When we did this last year, I assured you that investing in our employees would not be a one-off, that we were committed to staying competitive and keeping pace with the first responder pay in our region. That's why I'm recommending to city council to approve a step increase and a 3% step range adjustment for all sworn officers. This means that the majority of our police officers and firefighters will get over a 5% increase. This past fall, we hosted 12 employee engagement sessions with over 200 employees in attendance. And I want our employees to know that we heard them and we are taking a more holistic approach to providing opportunities for our workforce. We know upward mobility is important to our employees. So I'm proposing $650,000 for an employee tuition assistance program. Also, the administration is working towards awarding a contract to establish our very own employee health clinics as well. As I said before, this budget is about improving the quality of life and ensuring that we are more resilient of a city. That includes our city employees as well. These investments in our employees ensure we can continue to provide better services for our residents, and we have seen the benefits of these investments, such as improved permit turnaround times. And we will continue to invest not only in the employee salaries and benefits, but also the technology needed to deliver better services. For example, uh, the city has invested $3.1 million 
an ongoing effort to improve our customer-facing payment systems like RVA Pay, which will make bill paying less of a hassle, an improvement that I know our community has been waiting on for a very, very long time. <laughs> Overall, we are building a stronger foundation so that we can be the efficient and effective government our residents expect. We are better today than we were six years ago. And I see that each and every day when I come to work with some of the best and brightest public servants in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I want our public servants to know that we appreciate them. In conclusion, Mr. President, Madam Vice President, honorable members of city council, and my fellow Richmonders, the city of Richmond is well positioned to continue its upward trajectory thanks to the strategic investments in fiscally responsible management reflected in this balanced budget. Because of you, Richmond remains an attractive place to live, work, and play. Like you, I'm proud of this city. I love this city. And it's about time that we celebrate our city. So I've set aside in this proposal an additional $180,000 in council district funds that will allow members to support and promote special events and projects for their constituents. I've also allocated $250,000 in the operating budget for neighborhood signs. So whether you live in Blackwell or Churchill, Ginner Park or Highland Park, residents and visitors alike can take pride in their particular neighborhood. As I just said just a few weeks ago, today we work together. Today we thrive together. Today we rise together. Together we will prioritize and be intentional about how we spend the limited time, limited money and resources at our disposal. Together we are building a more resilient and competitive Richmond for the future. I look forward to working with you in the coming weeks to advance this budget across the goal line for the benefit of our entire city. So I want to thank you, Mr. President, and the honorable members of the Richmond City Council for your time this afternoon. May God bless you. And may God bless the great city of Richmond. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, please read the introductory papers that are before us this day. Yes, Mr. President, the introductory papers for this afternoon are as follows. The following ordinances will be scheduled for a public hearing on Monday, March 27th at 6 p.m. An ordinance to adopt the annual budget, which includes all of the separate current expense budgets for the general operation of the city and for each utility for fiscal year 2024 and to appropriate the estimated rate revenues for such fiscal year. An ordinance to appropriate and to provide funds for financing the school budget for fiscal year 2024. An ordinance to accept a program of proposed capital improvement projects for the fiscal year beginning July 1st, 2023, and for the four fiscal years thereafter. An ordinance to adopt a new pay plan for fiscal year 2024 and to repeal ordinance number 2018-319 adopted January 14th, 2019. An ordinance to repeal city code concerning personnel rules and to amend city code concerning the personnel board, certain hiring policies, the personnel system, classified service, prohibited practices, in the general powers and assistance of the city assessor and to repeal ordinance number 2013-1098 concerning personnel rules for classified service. An ordinance to amend city code concerning the Office of Intergovernmental Affairs and concerning the additional retirement allowances for certain city officials. An ordinance to authorize the issuance of general obligation public improvement bonds of the city in the maximum principal amount of $285 million to finance the costs of school projects and general capital improvement projects of the city. 
an ordinance to authorize the issuance of general obligation public improvement bonds of the city in the maximum principal amount of $27,555,000 to finance the cost of capital improvement projects of the stormwater utility of the city. And lastly, an ordinance to authorize the issuance of a public utility revenue bonds of the city in the maximum principal amount of $206,032,820 to finance the costs of capital improvement projects for the gas, water, and wastewater utilities in public utility buildings and facilities. Mr. President, that concludes the reading of budget-related ordinances this afternoon. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. I believe there is a motion regarding uh, the budget-related papers. Did it go out? Okay, thank you. I move to suspend Rule 6 of the Council's Rules of Procedure for all budget-related ordinances introduced today so that those ordinances are not referred to or reviewed by a standing committee but are instead reviewed during a budget review process developed by the Council and the Council Chief of Staff and heard during the budget public hearing scheduled for Monday, March 27, 2023 at 6 p.m. Council Member Jordan, will you second? Thank you, Ms. Lambert. Sorry, I didn't. Council is now voting on the motion to suspend Rule 6 of Council's Rules of Procedure as stated. Mr. Addison? Aye. Ms. Jordan? Aye. Ms. Lambert? Aye. Ms. Lynch? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Ms. Newville? Aye. Vice President Nye? Aye. And President Jones? Aye. That motion has been approved. Would the patron like to, or the, their designee, your designee, like to introduce, uh, provide information concerning this paper? President Jones, we do need to read the expedited paper for consideration. Sorry for being one step ahead. All right, and the paper for expedited consideration is as follows. A resolution to authorize the utilization of the construction management procurement method for the construction of the Thomas B. Smith and Luxfield Community Center projects. I will need a motion to expedite consideration of this paper. Councilwoman Trammell, will you make that motion, please? So moved, Madam Clerk. Councilmember Newbill, will you second that? Second. Thank you. Council is now voting on the motion to expedite consideration of the proposed resolution as read. Mr. Addison? Aye. Ms. Jordan? Ms. Lambert? Aye. Ms. Lynch? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Ms. Newbill? Aye. Vice President Nye? Aye. And President Jones? Aye. That paper is before you for consideration. Thank you, President Jones, members of City Council, Lincoln Saunders, Chief Administrative Officer for the City of Richmond. Um, uh, a few weeks back, Council adopted uh, a ordinance to authorize the CM at risk method for procuring uh, certain capital facilities projects. Um, pursuant to that ordinance, we need to bring forward for your approval to the specific use of CM at risk for um, two projects that we were prepared to move forward with um, the construction of the TB Smith and Luxfield Community Centers. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions, but this would specifically authorize the procurement method. Uh, so that we can begin uh, moving forward with bidding and constructing these two new community centers that were funded as part of the uh, ARPA allocation that has been approved by the city. Um, in anticipation of, a, I think, a, a question we, we might have is that um, our intent is to go out to bid um, with a scope that aligns with the available funding um, of, I believe it's roughly $20 million per project, uh, in the event that uh, we are unable to, to bid it at that level, we would come back to council for any additional appropriation necessary for completion. But um, we are going to do our best, given uh, the funds available and the method we're pursuing, um, to build these community centers within the currently identified budgets. Thank you, Ms. Saunders. We will now have a public hearing on this paper. Are there persons present uh, to speak in opposition of this paper? Anyone present that wishes to speak in opposition of this paper? Other persons present to speak in favor of this paper? Mr. Clerk, do we have anyone signed up virtually? We do not. Seeing no one, the public hearing is now closed. Bring it back to council for discussion. Ms. Trammell? Mr. President, thank you. I want to um, I want to say this. 
thank you so much, Chris, and to all your staff. I was at the meeting at the T.B. Smith Community Center about a week ago, and um, I will tell you right now, Mr. President, the place was packed. The people are so excited over this. $20 million for this community center, not even three blocks from where I live. We can all walk there. I'm going to say this, that back in 2020, when the mayor was running for re-election, um, run for mayor, um, I was over there, we are both over there, and when I saw those children running up to him and running up to me saying, we have no place to play. Look at our community center. Look at our, our playground. We have nothing. And the mayor made them a promise and said, if, if, when I win, we're going to work together. She wins, we'll work together. And we're going to, I'm going to keep my word to all of you. You're going to have a new community center that all of you are going to be so proud of. And it just broke my heart last week when I heard someone say, this is a high crime area, and why would you want to put a $20 million community center here? Really? Really? Well, I will tell you right now, it's going to happen. And I want to thank the mayor for keeping his word and for all those community leaders, Juanita Gaines, Dorothy Thornton, and over there in the Davy Gardens area for working so hard with you, Chris, and with the police department. Thank you, Chief, for all that you do, all your officers. We can't do it without you. So I'm going to say this is a very, very happy day for me to be able to sit here and say thank God. Thank God for this $20 million community center in our 8th district. Councilmember Lynch. Um, ha have we gotten any, um, this is a question for a CAO, have we gotten any more detailed, I know it's hard, it's very, very hard to answer this question because we don't have a CM, um, we don't have a CM on, on board yet to do the actual um, fiscal analysis, but do we have any more details just looking at market comparison, et cetera, at um, what we think we would be over uh, in addition to the 20 million for each? Uh, at this point, council member, I would say that we are currently going through um, both the value engineering as well as the scope um, review to make sure that we can go to bed with um, the expectation that we can meet the available funding. Um, so while we've been working on the designs um, for the last you know, year or so, particularly working with the community to get their input, we are cost conscious and we'll be working to, to do our best to tailor the proposals to our available resources. Lux Field, I'm looking at my council colleague here. How close in proximity is Lux, is the planned Lux Field Center going to be to the Woodville or Fair, to those two schools that are in close proximity. Good afternoon, Council. Bobby Vincent, Director of Public Works. Um, at the Woodville um, location is, is about a 10-minute walk um, from where um, the new Lux facility would be in Churchill. Councilmember Newbill. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Vincent. Um, the schools do not have and will not have the offerings that the Lux Field Center and the comprehensive community and recreational uh, facility that will be developed at Lux Field. And so while it's about 10 or so minutes away, it will not have that offering that this center will provide. But we do not have a, we can't really say what offerings are going to be present until we have program, you know, money to fund those programs. We have contracts in place with partners so we can have a vision. But, well, you know. I think what I can say is based on the presentation at my district meeting uh, on the 23rd, where, and I want to say thank you to the administration and Mr. Frelke and um, all of the uh, Parks and Rec staff and the consultants uh, who have, through many sessions of community engagement, come back and with a full uh, uh, plan, if you will, a, uh, albeit, I would say design concept, but it was more extensive than simply a design concept. 
uh, very specific in terms of the nature, uh, the not just the recreational components, but also the service components that will be available and accessible in that facility. So yes, the community has uh, been engaged, the community has been clear in terms of what we'd like to see, but also what's absent in other sectors in our district. So uh, we're way down the road. Council Trammell. Lincoln, I'm asking, I'm asking you to please because um, we just heard what the mayor said about George Wood High School. The longer it takes, the, the more it's going to cost. Let's get those shovels in the ground. Let's do it now, because we saw the design with the TV Smith Community Center, and that staff that, that Chris had and all the um, groups that were there, they answered every question, and we're ready to move. We want to do it now. Let's hurry and get those shovels in the ground so that we can, you know, make it happen. I would say this, this paper, and it's why we asked for expedited consideration after um, council approved the general authorization for CM at rest. We know that this um, process that we're putting in front of you with council approval this afternoon would allow us um, our fastest as well as our greatest ability to control costs uh, for getting these two community centers bid and built. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Thomas. Appreciate that. We're going to go ahead, Madam Clerk, and uh, please call the question. Council is voting on the proposed resolution as stated. Mr. Addison? Aye. Ms. Jordan? Aye. Ms. Lambert? Aye. Ms. Lynch? Aye. Ms. Trammell? Aye. Ms. Newbill? Aye. Vice President Nye? Aye. And President Jones? Aye. That paper has been adopted. Madam Clerk, is there any other business before this committee, this council, at this mm -hmm. point in time? There is not. Being no further business uh, before the council, this meeting is adjourned. We will see you at 4 o'clock.